Welcome to What Is It About the Weather, a podcast where we explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelanek. This week, little robots, little weather forecast. But before we get there, I hope you are having some good weather. Whether you like, whether you find interesting, whether that maybe teaches you a thing or two. I hit the weather season. I'm not a particular fan of the first signs of it this past week. I had my first what I would call a muggy day. Or more importantly, maybe a muggy night. I, I I don't know. It's Muggy days I, I can kind of adjust to or accept the reality of, but muggy nights I'm not a real fan of, You know, where you just can't seem to cool off, can't seem to get comfortable. First one of those for the year, I somehow survived. I'm sure I'll survive many more of them. But it was a reminder that spring's even almost over. I know it depends on where you are for to be saying that, but flowers have kind of started to bloom and getting past that phase, warm, muggy air. Now, the benefit I have is my weather's going to get back to a little more reasonable, a little more normal for this time of year, the week ahead, but nonetheless... Had to, had to tolerate at least a day of it. And also, at, you know, last week we were talking about temperatures, right, and how different things feel different ways. Had a cloudy night followed by a clear night, and it was markedly different how much the weather was similar yet dissimilar, right, from, uh, from how things were in the day. Because that was what was interesting. Both days were kind of, I don't know, similar in terms of the cloud cover, but one night and got close to the same temperatures during the day. But at night, the cloud deck actually built in one of the nights and cleared out the other night, and you, know, you can just feel the difference. And particularly, of course, if you're paying attention to it or thinking about it. any case, I shouldn't complain. Weather overall here has been great. Had a nice weekend day to go. The, the ferries, which have been closed down for the weekend since, you know, since COVID came around, opened back up. Allowed a little more mobility. Got a really nice hike in. You know, it's interesting. I was going to record on a normal Friday. And man, if, it, if it's not one construction project, it's another. The building across from me has these really old. I mean, they need to be replaced. Old kind of windows where the framing is all wood and it's starting to rot. And they, I don't, you know, I don't know why now is when they decided, but any case, they're doing a replacement on all the windows. So they're over there banging those things out and cutting out new ones and all that sort of thing, which made it impossible on top of the regular construction project. And and maybe that's a good thing because one of the things that happened was relevant to this episode. So you know, I, I guess you always got to, it's always how you look at things. Got a good case study, if you will, when I was out yesterday getting ready to go board the ferry. But let's get there. Let's talk about robots, weather, and why in the world I'm talking about it. You know, as I've mentioned before, I do a lot of reading during the week of, it's not every week, but many weeks I have some reading of scientific articles, right? And they can be longer. But often I'm looking for a specific piece of information in those articles. So I'm not always reading them front to back. 
You know, I may be looking at something they referenced or trying to find some actual component, you know, that's just a, a sub snippet that I need for what, you know, my task is at hand. But every so often I'm, I'm really sitting down and, and reading those. So I don't always find myself this more casually reading what I would call long form reads. Right, like you know, weekend magazine would kind of be a similar one where you get these articles that seem to go on and on and on, and in this digital age where you just feel like you're scrolling forever. I think they can be great, but I'm not always in the mood to do that given what I'm doing the rest of the time in terms of my reading. But I came across two this week, and one was well, one was about No Man Land, which you know won an Oscars last week, and probably why the article even hit my feed. But it was interesting because it was about the story of somebody's mother who had lived through a similar experience and about dealing with their mother that had become this way. The other had to do with weather and artificial intelligence. And it was put out by, you know, you've heard me mention before, you know, European models and U.S. models. Well, the agency that kind of oversees the European model, the ECMWF, has bulletins and those sort of things, but they Specifically, around the time that I did that AI episode in January, when I had the American Meteorological Society's annual meeting, they had done this 10-year plan, if you will. I, I don't think that's exactly what the document was called. I, I am putting a link in the show notes because every this is one that I think everybody can get to. And you know, you don't. There's an abstract. You don't have to read the whole thing, and it's actually not too long of a read. I, you know, it's it's reasonable to go through if you want to. But it's about how, kind of as I discussed in January, whether agencies or those that do modeling are starting to embrace the idea of AI and machine learning and how it can be beneficial to the field. So it's kind of on my mind. And I, this was a topic, and you know, I, I haven't really decided how I'm going to do it. There were two pieces after that AI thing in, in January and some other ones that kind of had two topics in my mind. One was about how robots use weather, right? Or more specifically, other AI and other machine learning systems might use weather inputs. And the other was about humans, right? And how we make decisions. And that was the example yesterday. Because, you know, we've talked about it enough now where I, I think reasonably we, we all... Anybody that gets a weather forecast is prepared to adapt or adjust. I mean, maybe you do carry an umbrella, but I don't, you know, I've often wondered, do we wait an extra five minutes to leave because that storm's going to push through or things like that? And, and I've always thought that might be an interesting episode, but I think I'll come back to that at some point. I, you know, it wasn't, I didn't, I haven't run across an article lately that is like, ah, that would be really good. And it's related to this topic. So I've kind of held off on it, even though it's been in the episode list for a while. But another one, when I did the AI episode, I was really thinking about how one AI triggers another AI. But the case in hand yesterday was an example of really the time frame I'm thinking of. Because yeah, I know we all kind of think, okay, this coming weekend, what does it look like generally? We might plan around that. But, you know... As the weekend cl gets closer, you might adjust or whatever. But what about today? What about two hours from now? What about three hours from now? What about 30 minutes from now? 
how do we adjust if we have useful pieces of weather information? And I was walking through what was just like a, a weekend sort of, you know, you can call it whatever you want, a farmer's market, flea market. It wasn't, there was a little bit of food there, but it was more like a flea market with little stands people had set up. Now, when I had looked at the weather forecast the night before and I got up and reconfirmed it before I got dressed to go out and be outside, it's like, ooh, it's going to be windy. And it's not a, you know, kind of, is it going to be a little windy versus moderately windy? It was like, it's going to be a lot of wind when I get started. And I was watching as this person who was setting up their stuff was just having stuff get blown away. And I wondered, one, did they bother with a weather forecast? But if they did, you know, what kind of changes would you make? Would you bring stuff to weight down a table? You know, I, and I've been to these sort of outdoorsy, fairsy things before, and I've seen this same sort of problem where some people seem ready for it, others don't. And I, and I know it can't be easy to carry all that stuff around, particularly when you're trying to adjust to win and things being blown away, right? But as I heard plates fall off this table that got blown over and crash and break. And I thought to myself, you know, you probably could have avoided that if you paid attention because I knew going out there was going to be windy. It wasn't like it was some secret forecast. It was in every forecast that I read. And as you know, I sometimes read more than one forecast. So if they're all saying it, why didn't this person take that information and adapt? Now, I think that's where we're going to get to down the road. But given what I was reading this week, I really wanted to focus on less so much the human side of it and why we may or may not choose to do it. And that's kind of, I think, where that episode will go. But more about, okay, we've got these computers generating model outputs. And you hear me talk about AIs and all this stuff. But what about AIs using weather data? Right? I mean... Clearly, we've still got challenges. That example of that person just out there, I would like to think they got a weather forecast, but they weren't the only one that seemed to be struggling with the wind, which made me wonder, you know, did, did they miss something? But some people seem to be prepared for it. So it says to me somebody actually paid attention. So the people who paid attention seemed to be okay. You know, they had brought some sandbags or whatever to hold stuff down. But, you know, let's deal with the realities. Weather models still make errors, right? And and there's a lot of reasons for that. And it can be that, you know, the time scale that you're looking at, like I said, you know, multiple days out versus tomorrow, the resolution of what you need of, you know, little microclimates that we've talked about before, that how weather behaves in one area may not be well forecast versus others. And then there is the realities of, you know, just chaos theory and and little perturbations being meaningful for a specific event or uncertainty. And I had it again today when I was recording, right? Woke up, zero forecast for rain in the around me yesterday. Just none. Got up, look into the west, direction the weather was coming from, and I'm seeing some clouds, and I'm going, looks like we might actually get a little bit of rain. And we got, you know, not much, but a little. And then all of a sudden, I'm open my forecast windows open that earlier in the morning still had no sign of it. Then all of a sudden, they're showing a couple hours where we might get some rain. Now, I guess it's a good thing that those forecast maps changed. 
But in that short order, unless you got lucky and looked at it, what are the odds you're going to be adjusting for it? And this is one of the challenges we face as humans. But, but computers and artificial intelligence and all streamlined systems that could be talking to each other ought to be able to make adjustments accordingly. And what hit me about this was things like, you know, we use all the time, like Google Maps. Now, so this still has a, you know, a human interface to it. We're the ones using a Google Map in the end. But does Google Maps seem to take in weather data and tweak your forecast accordingly? Because I'd been under a couple situations lately, actually, when I was going to get my second COVID shot. That there was some rain that was going to blow through. And I knew it was going over an area where traffic seems to get kind of snarled up anyways. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, it's suggesting I go these ways now. Is it going to adjust that because of the weather? Right? Because you can. You can go in and put times in. Didn't see signs of that, which makes me think, okay, maybe it's not. Maybe we're still not really to the place where the weather models, even the ones that update often, even the ones like what we've talked about with AI that take this data and take an existing forecast and update it are spitting it to the next thing that needs to talk, right, in, in the scheme of events. And I could see this unfolding with autonomous cars under hazardous weather conditions in all sorts of cases. It doesn't have to be this human level, because like I said, I think we often need a little more time to digest, but computers should be able to adjust right away. Automated systems or things that don't think the same way that we do ought to be able to adjust almost instantaneously and take in that data and make adjustments to it. So I started reading about it and started looking into it. And the short answer is I didn't see many signs of it. Now, it's not to say that there aren't some that just haven't been published. But I really think that if you want to create efficiencies, and I mean, that's what we're talking about. It's not about whether one human adjusts their pattern of behavior. Real efficiencies come when large quantities of things happen, and they can happen in little, small, incremental bits. But to get enough that are relevant, you got to have multiple things being adjusted. And I think really maybe underlying it, aside from whether the forecasts are good enough, again, if AIs that we talked about back in January in that episode and machine learning can truly quickly and inexpensively tweak at least a short-term forecast, again, I'm talking stuff inside of the day, Can they create those efficiencies that are useful? So let's assume for a moment all the things I talked about, about models and long-term looking from more traditional weather models. Let's say that that's, that's not the issue, right? What's, what's in the way of doing that? And I still think fundamentally we're probably talking about data, right? Because to make those adjustments, you need real-time data that's useful. Now, we've talked about 
some companies that are doing that, like Climacell. Climacell's changed their name, by the way. It's I think they're called Tomorrow now. Don't get it, it, I'm not even going to digest try to digest that too much, but you know they're they're kind of focusing on thinking about what's next in terms of new satellite-based systems, which is something they're looking into. But I think their focus really is thinking about the the data points, the amount of data that's that's getting into the system. You could also look at that Kickstarter that I funded, right? That's going to have a little, I'm going to have a little thing that I can put on my bike or my car. And it's going to give me real-time weather data. So everywhere I go, everywhere I go, no matter what type, I can use it on a hike. I can use it on my bike. I can use it in the car. I can probably, and not really easily to put it on an airplane, maybe if I was on a slow-moving plane. I'm not sure what the speed rating is on that thing yet. Maybe if I was hang gliding, that would work. But there's going to be a variety of ways that I can capture what in theory should be useful data. And we've talked about the others, what your phone collects, what these little satellite systems like former Climacell slash Tomorrow is doing, but they're not the only ones. A variety of people doing those things are going to give us more and more and more and more data points, higher resolution, improved quality, and all that kind of ground truth should make the ability to tweak those forecasts in the short term to go from a, eh, it might rain today, or it might rain in the next hour or the next six hours, down to it really should be on this time scale. And do it consistently, not just here where I am. But at some point on a large scale level, not just in the U.S. or not just in Europe or not just in China or not just in Australia, but in the continent of Africa and in the continent of South America and be able to accommodate the things that we've talked about that are tricky before, which are different elevations and different terrains and being able to tweak those things such that they can be useful. Because the other thing you got to keep in mind is a lot of times when you think about autonomous systems, many of those things happen where humans aren't necessarily living in mass you know, maybe it's not in the big city that's the challenge. Maybe it is, you know, I, recently I, I don't remember where I was driving, but I just remember seeing miles and miles of distribution centers. That's, you know, huge, not surprising, given all the things we were doing online COVID. And that seemed, those businesses seem to be thriving. But the impact on a transportation hub could be big, right? I mean, People's coming and going, not people's necessarily, not a lot of people in that, but a lot of goods and products and services, and that's where the efficiencies are likely to be gained. So is it really happening? I'm seeing very few signs, but I hopefully with this, these data changes that we're getting to and these increased models that we're getting to, what, what I saw in the ECMWF being an example, thinking about AI, thinking about how it affects the weather forecast and how they can improve it. And my guess is they're looking for ways to do gains on the shorter time frame, not the long term. Because I still think in the long term, the broad physics and earth modeling components are what's going to prevail and what's going to be relevant. But in the short term, it may not ever make sense to try to improve our equations or our understanding or our ability to model on very small time horizons or in very tight frequencies. And you know, something I've been looking at lately is wind behavior and how you model it 
and think about it over you know a vast geographic area is very different than how you think about it in a small tight setting and there are accordingly different models that do that but if ai can do it well enough inexpensively enough instead of thinking about modeling the weather but thinking about how to predict based on data at hand and past experiences that just might be enough and it's getting cheaper and easier to do those things so i did come across a couple examples one i found somebody that had a system they called deep weather and they've been doing it for a while now and, and they put a blurb out a few years ago not even a couple years ago about the energy sector because having energy be available is a, something that is forecast right because whatever you produce that you don't use because we don't still don't have great storage systems for energy it's lost right and that's not good for anybody if you're if if you're worried about the environment and you know you got coal plants shooting it up and they're creating power that's not used not good but it's the same with renewable energies because the goal always is because we're nowhere near today just magically being able to produce energy and not use it and no one worry about it you need to have a sense of what's going to be demanded and, and a lot of that has to do with what's the weather going to be like it's going to be hotter it's going to be colder is the wind going to be available as an example to produce wind power is the sun going to be available to produce solar power so as we are today those are the needs in the energy sector and being able to look out now this system was a little more long-term but they did talk about same day kind of things and that's where i really see this possibility right is in this shorter term window if you have automated now they talked about like a building's climate system i i, I didn't necessarily like the example they had a few different ones so i some of their examples i saw and some of them i was like really are you gonna not turn the air conditioning or heat on because of clouds that might move in and you're predicting that but I, and i thought to myself maybe i just don't know those systems well enough maybe it really is a big thing but what they focused on here is what i think is key which is it's one system that's automated talking another no human intervention but again on these shorter time scales even last fall noah and and google announced a partnership to start exploring similar things and I, i'm going to even put a link in the show notes about a google blog where they talk about now casting upcoming precipitation based on radar now they wouldn't be the first person to do this or the first group not a person at all right where they're basically saying here we're examining the rain that's supposed to be coming and we're going to do it based on what the previous 30 minutes has done or the previous hours you look a little further upstream a little backstream now all sorts of challenges with that but if you're willing to put the time and effort in it the machines can probably learn to look for similar patterns now i don't know how effective they're going to be at the end of the day and i, I can see some real challenges with those systems of course they present a case that looks good but i don't know so i, I keep hearing these partnerships so I, I would tell you just to kind of keep an eye out i think we humans might be some of the last to get some of the benefit from this or the things we see you know it's going to be in aviation where they've got to make shorter term decisions it's going to be in the energy sector where they've got to make you know in the moment you know morning what's the afternoon going to look like kind of decisions and it could be in a you know emergency situations like we've got a sensitivity to a type of storm moving in how's that going to adjust when we might try to move product right 
So all those things are probably going to come into play. But so far, still seems to be a little bit, a little bit to go. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. Keep an eye out for it. If I come across something, I will let you know. I promise. And if you have any cases where you've heard about this kind of stuff, where AI and machines and robots are using weather inputs to adjust their behavior, particularly on shorter timescales, please let me know. I always like hearing from you guys and getting that sort of feedback. And I know I haven't said it in a few episodes, so I'll give you all the information about how to get hold of me. What is about the weather at gmail.com? What is it about the weather on Twitter? You can hit me, Mark underscore Jelinek. And that is J-E-L-I-N-E-K at twitter.com as well. And of course, you can always find the podcast, patreon.com slash weather. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, it's the beginning of the month. So I'll take a moment to thank those that do. Because thanks to their efforts, we can continue to do this podcast. Any case. Before I let you go, I came across one more interesting thing about robots. There's a site out there, and it's based on some research from a few years ago. So it's not actually, it needs to be updated because I found some potential flaws with it. That's, will you be replaced by a robot? And it puts a link in the show notes. And it talks about a lot of the jobs that are likely to be replaced and those that aren't. And I'll give you three examples. They, had a, they do groupings of different things. So they had different types of meteorologists grouped together. Then they had different, what I would call, they called it, one of them was a meteorologist, but they really called it like weather person, which they considered more on-air personalities. And then the other group was one called a hydrologist. Now, I've done all those things. Now, I haven't really been on broadcast doing forecasts, but I've done that style of work on a few occasions, sitting in for some people or doing some little briefs that people have asked me to do. And their point was the following. For the type of work where I do, I've spent a lot of my time, which is more of the computer modeling side of things, there's a two-third chance that robots are going to replace that work. For the on-air meteorologist, they said it's only a 10% chance of it being replaced. Their take on it is it's very human interaction. Humans like that interaction. And you, know, you have the locality, the, the nuances, the things that that person brings, right? And I can understand where they came from that, although I've seen cases where I think that's going to be more likely replaced. So I don't think that 67, I think that 67% is a little high. I think that 10% is a little low. But the last one was hydrologist, because I've done some hydrology work, right? Some of my early modeling was in hydrology-related components, if you will. So a lot of my hydrology work is a, a lot of time bridging that gap between weather above us and the hydrology as it hits the earth, stream flow, different things like that. And I think some of the modeling they're talking about and some of the things they're talking about is as much, it's not just about the modeling, it's about getting out in the field and being involved in those systems. And maybe they felt like that was, because that was only like a one to 2% chance of being replaced. So I don't know, maybe I need to rethink my priorities as to what I want to call myself so that I'm not replaced by a robot. Go, go check it out. But whether we're thinking about robots or whether we're thinking about the weather, two things that come to my mind a lot, it is important to remember 
that I don't think robots and whether they're going to rust or not is going to be a big issue, but how our automated systems work going forward is probably more and more likely to become dependent on weather because for things that are automated, there's no reason to think they couldn't just ramp up and go when the gap is there, you know, if it's in between storms or whatever it is. Actually, it is efficiencies that could be gained. might be good for everybody. But for those of us who don't want to be replaced by robots, eh, we may have a thing or two to say about that. Maybe weather is the uh, key thing to keep in mind. But it is just another reminder that there's much more to weather than the weather itself.